The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me this week, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello! And this week we will be doing a full review on Jim Jarmusch's uh, 2003 film Coffee and Cigarettes. Um, but before we do that, we'll talk a little bit about what we've been watching, what's coming out on home video this uh, next week, and what's coming out to theaters, which will be an interesting conversation tonight. So, um... I've watched a lot of stuff this week. I've been very, very busy. Uh, have you seen anything, Corey? I did. I watched a movie that I was told by quite a few people I needed to watch, but it has Mandy Moore in it, and I'm not really a fan, and now she divorced my boy Ryan Adams, and she's been talking some smack about him. But anyway, um, Saved. Ah, I've heard good things about that, actually, from Mike. Um our podcast buddy. It also has Macaulay Culkin, a whole bunch of people. I can't remember their names, but I remember their faces, but it is hilarious. So funny. So funny. How were you able to watch it? Um, I can't remember. I think it might've been on Amazon prime. It's either on oh. prime or Tribeca. Cause okay. you know, like I don't like how, when you like add things from Tribeca, it merges it all into one list with your Amazon prime. I would like that to be separated. Yeah, I would prefer that as well, but um you know, it's whatever. It's it's Yeah, but it's one of those. Yeah. I need to uh check that one out. I'm going to have to look cuz that's one that it's hilarious. Uh, Mike recommended I pair with Juno uh for my film classes. Um because it's oh. kind of like the other side of the coin, I guess, the more the stronger like Christian voice if I'm not mistaken, but I believe it's done satirically, but I'm not sure. Mhm. Um, it's so funny. Um, it, like their school and their mascot, they're called the American Eagles. <laughs> just I can't handle it <laughs> because of the store. It's just a lot of little things like that. It's really funny. Nice. And I watched something else, but I can't remember. Oh, well, that's why you should use Letterbox, like I do. Um, I don't have. I can't be that organized. Oh, John, I try. Well, I've watched a lot of movies. Partly one because I am on Thanksgiving break, and so I kind of make it my mission to uh to hit the theater a little more unfortunately there's not a whole lot of stuff out that i haven't seen but i was still able to go a few times um and so i'm just gonna go from uh the last thing i watched not the last thing i watched i'm gonna go from the first thing i watched since we last recorded um which is the disaster artist um which i'm under embargo so i can't completely uh give my full review i can say that i like it and that my full review will post on december 1st um, on BurkeReviews.com. Dang. But uh, that is the official release date for the film, which we'll be talking about in a little bit. Um, but you, you you usually don't have to wait that long, though, right, to usually post your reviews. We're, I'm seeing the movie the same week it's coming out, even if it's only in limited release. Um, oh. The official release date is not till December 1st, which is still going to be limited. And um, he, we were asked to uh, refrain from... Uh, posting our reviews it's not a full embargo I don't think like I don't think we would be in any trouble but this is the first time this has ever happened so I'm just playing it safe and keeping my my thoughts to myself um word but uh next I rewatched um How the Grinch Stole Christmas the Ron Howard film from uh 2000 
uh, with my wife. That's our, our first official Christmas viewing of the season, uh, which we watched on Tuesday evening, um, or Tuesday morning, I guess it was. Uh, I, I love that movie. I know a lot of people hate on it. I just enjoy it. I am a Jim Carrey fan, so it's hard for me not to. Um, it is so crazy to uh, – you, you've seen that before, right? It's been a long time, but yeah. You do know uh, the the little actress that plays Cindy Lou, Cindy Lou who, who is um, the lead singer of The Pretty Reckless? Yep. Yeah, is her name Taylor Mumps? It's Taylor something. I don't know the the name off the top of my head, but um, but I saw that in the morning, and then my daughter and I went uh, Tuesday evening for the the pre, the premiere of Coco. And oh, jelly! Oh man, it's so great. Um, I cried several times. Uh, oh. mainly just wouldn't like, be Pixar. Uh, you know, more like eyes watered several times. To be fair, it wasn't like bawling or like you know lip twisting or anything like that but definitely very emotionally stirring especially i think for musicians i think you'll find a lot of connection with it um then on wednesday i took my daughter uh questionably but nonetheless we went and saw three billboards <laughs> outside ebbing missouri um and she she really liked it and so that was that always makes me very proud of her when she can watch a movie that's clearly designed for grown-ups there was a, a sequence in the film where the word the uh See you next Tuesday word was said several times. Oh, I've never heard that uh whatever. The uh, the before. I I stole that from the way way back. Uh, Allison Janney says it. Um and That's awesome. Yeah, um and uh it said several times within a few seconds and I'm kind of like, "Oh, that's a word I don't know how often she's ever heard." <laughs> um and so she's in middle school, right? But uh, she is, she is, and but still, in America, that word is is much hard. Like in Ireland, that word is like commonplace. It's like saying "What's up, bud?" You know. But here, it's mm-hmm. it's it's a taboo word. You don't say it unless you're really mean business. Um, <laughs> and uh, Big Tuna, who is a frequent you know contributor to our site, and he is uh, an up and coming film critic, one of my film students. Um, he was in front of us with his grandmother uh, during the movie, and during oh. that scene, she he la- we both him and I and my daughter. Unfortunately, we all laughed because there's a joke in the scene that involves the word, and his grandma turned to him, pointed at him, and said, "Don't laugh at that." <laughs> and I, <laughs> I died. Sorry to laugh at you, big tuna. Yes, um, I couldn't. I I like kicked the I kicked his seat too, just like kind of like <laughs> you got yelled at. Um, so uh, the next day. Um, my wife and I hit uh, the Red Box, and we rented The Book of Henry and The Bad Batch. I've not even heard of The Bad Batch. Uh, yes, you have, because we talked about it on this podcast about two weeks ago, but Holy that's heck. okay. Um, the Book of Henry, though, was one that we also talked about on this podcast uh, when we were still doing the trailer previews, and that's the one with um, Jacob Tremblay, uh, Joseph Lieberman? I always forget his name. The kid from It, also. Um, Naomi Watts. uh the the brother-in-law from Breaking Bad, whose name I can never remember, but he's a pretty solid actor. Um, and he's the cop. It's the movie where like the kid finds that his uh, um, neighbor is being molested by her stepfather, who is that actor, and he tries to go through the proper channels to uh, get her help. Those get shown that there's just no no way, and because this kid Henry is a genius. He creates a foolproof plan to um, basically murder the guy and make sure oh. the, the girl's taken care of. Because this all, has Naomi Watts. It does. And it. I thought the premise was interesting and I thought it could be really kind of like vigilante justice to a degree and whatever. And I tend to, to connect to those. 
um, Batman, Punisher. I, I tend to have uh, an affection for that type of character. So I was intrigued. But boy, is that movie awful. Um, Why does she keep doing that? I don't know. She's not bad in it, and neither are the kids. I think the kids do a good job, but the writing is really ridiculous. It's also directed by Colin Trevorrow, um, or Trevorrow, uh, who directed Jurassic World. He directed... Um, he was directing episode nine of the new Star Wars trilogy, but he was fired, possibly because oh. of the book of Henry and possibly just because he's a horrible judge of what's a good story because he, again, directed this movie. And there's a lot of people who hate Jurassic World. I enjoyed Jurassic World, but I accepted the the weird flaws it was in fun. that movie. Exactly. And that's, I wasn't expecting, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. it was a fun summer blockbuster movie, and that's all I was looking for. And he also did Safety Not Guaranteed, I believe, which I've not seen, but I really want to because Aubrey Plaza's in it. Um, oh. And, um, but this movie's really bad, and I don't know that its direction is bad or the acting is bad. The writing, though, is really bad, and there's some some choices that are just unexplainable. And if it was just, if it was simply the movie that it was advertised, I think it could be entertaining. But there's some stuff in this movie that I can't bring up without spoiling it. But I would say avoid like the plague all the way. Um, my wife, but we watched that together. My wife did cry at a couple parts. I was so, I believe in my review, I say that I rolled my eyes so hard, my head tilted backwards. Um, (laughs) so, no, um, but that evening we decided to watch another Christmas movie and we watched, holy um, hell, I know I still got three more, um, but this is all, is this, oh, I thought this was the fourth one in one day. Oh no, this is uh, the third one in one day though. We watched three billboards, and then we watched Book of Henry, and then we watched the Christmas Do Over, which is a Jay Moore uh, TV Christmas movie that is like the like Groundhog Day, where he gets mm-hmm. stuck in on Christmas and he has to relive the day. I I saw this several years ago with Kathy. Um, it was on. I f- it wasn't a Lifetime movie, but it was on TV. It was like a made for TV film. It, it may have been a Lifetime movie, and I really I saw the trailer, the commercial for it. I like I love Groundhog's Day, so I'm like, oh cool, I like Jay Moore. I want to watch this. And I find it fun. It's not great. It's fun. I think Jay Moore is, is probably some of his best performance. Um, and we bought the DVD like two years ago. I went on a – my wife loves Christmas. Uh, the listeners and Corey, you obviously know that. But um, I, I went – I made it my mission like two years ago to like just have every Christmas movie I could get my hands on. So we own almost everything that's worth owning. Like I don't have Christmas with the Cranks because I can't stand it. I don't like Deck the Halls with Matthew Broderick and Danny DeVito. Um, jingle all the way, jingle all the way out of my house, please. Uh, that's, you know, um, but Christmas do-over is in our collection. And um, so we, we watched that the other night, and then we're almost done. Uh, yesterday, for Thanksgiving, um, we had our dinner early. We had to have our Thanksgiving dinner at noon because my wife had to go to work at 3. Um, but then I watched The Bad Batch uh, right after our dinner. Um, now, The Bad Batch is Jason uh, Momoa, um, Jim Carrey. And Keanu Reeves are all in the movie. See, uh, I don't remember us talking about this. Well, it's a movie that uh, it's post-apocalyptic. Um, it's somewhat in the future, and uh, it's dystopian. Um, post-apocalyptic might not be accurate. It's a dystopian world. It's somewhat post-apocalyptic, or at least where the characters are in the film. They've been shunned from America, and I think they're supposed to be in Mexico. Um, oh. But it's like Mexico has become a place for the Bad Batch. These are people who have been deemed unfittable for society and so they've been outcast and so tribes form as as they do uh the first tribe that we meet is jason momoa's tribe and they are a group of cannibals um 
Now, the movie could go really in on the cannibal thing, and you see a couple of gruesome images, but it's nowhere near as bad as I've seen in other movies. See, that's just, it's, it's, if you've seen a horror movie with dismemberment, that's what we're talking about here. That's it. It's, there's not a whole lot of stuff. You don't see anybody actually biting into anything that resembles an arm or a leg or anything like that. So it's not, it's not super gruesome. The scenes that feature, like, the dismemberment are done kind of off camera there's implications and you see some motions but for the most part it is fairly tame and that is refreshing for a movie that has in the the log line that it's about cannibals so um jim carrey is like unrecognizable in this movie too like i actually didn't know it was him the first time he was on screen um and then keanu reeves is very recognizable and plays um an important character and i think i'm still kind of on the fence of where i feel about the movie i haven't written my review yet it's definitely um, deeper than the premise uh, alludes to. There's a lot of um, analogy and uh, a lot of metaphor built into the movie for sure that um, makes it very, very compelling. Mm. Um, so after that, that movie ended, I think I started watching it about 1 o'clock, and it's a two-hour movie, so it was about three-something. Three uh, my daughter and I got into the car, went to our nearest convenience store, Got a couple of drinks um, and some candy, and then went and saw Wonder at our local theater on Thanksgiving. You know what Wonder is? Yes. Remember, I teared up a little bit during the trailer. Yeah. uh, Well, I teared up, like, the whole movie. Um, Like, so many times. It's... it's, I I wasn't sure if I was going to like it or not. I ended up really liking it. Um, And... Uh, it's definitely, I think, a parent movie. Like, if you are a parent, it's going to hit on so many of your fears and so many of your joys. And you you have to be, like, stoned to not tear up at this movie. And there is, I made one of my rare, when I say, like, as I said earlier at, at Coco, I, I cried. Coco, I teared up and, like, was able to kind of keep the tears from flowing. There was a point during Wonder where I made a noise that I didn't know I could make, like, crying. And, <laughs> Where it was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. oh my god! This, and it was a fairly That's... crowded, small. It was a smaller theater, but there was a lot of people there. Um, and I don't think I was the only one crying though, because uh, one Julia Roberts' performance is excellent, and it made me f- kind of forget. I, I have forgotten how great she is, and it reminded me um, of how great Julia Roberts can be. Uh, Owen Wilson, super. Um, still, he's still the funny man, but he, it's it's really subdued, and I. I I have hopes that like, it was kind of Wes Anderson, Owen Wilson, but uh, toned down because he can get a little big in some of the Anderson roles. But it, this one was very toned down. Um, but like a lot of what he gets to do in the movie is very uh, comedic. Even he gets like two really endearing moments, but still has comedy built into it. And so um, I, I don't know. I was really impressed with everybody and the kid acting from all parties, not just Jacob Tremblay. Um, but all of the kid actors, because he, you know, there's uh, he has a sister who is excellent. Uh, she has a best friend. She meets a guy who's um, kind of becomes a boyfriend, and then he has a few friends at school or bullies at school. I won't say which. Um, that are all they're all really good. And uh, one of my favorite performances, which I didn't, I couldn't place who it was, but I knew I knew the actor, the principal of the school, whose name is um, it's something like Tush Tushman. It's Tushman. So uh, his initial meeting with with um, Augie, which is Joseph Tremblay's character, uh, who he's very self conscious and he's concerned about being made fun of, and so Tushman tells him his name. He's like, "Go ahead, you can laugh. I've been called Butt Man, you know, Tushy, 
and just kind of goes through like a list. And that's apparently a theme he embraces because like in his office he has like a butt man like sign. Yeah. He, there's indications that he's like trying to say I've been made fun of too and I, it's okay kind of thing. But he's he's mm-hmm. got a big gray beard and he's super kind and he gets some awesome scenes in the movie that as an educator and as a parent that I'm just I'm like this is the this guy is a great example of a principal because a lot of times principals in movies are are awful especially with kids being bullied right like assholes they ignore it or they they uh they don't and i my wrong person gets in trouble yes my principal is like so awesome and i don't i don't think she listens to the podcast i know she knows about my website and she supports my website excessively so i'm not saying this to kiss up but i generally think what she does for our school is amazing and um Seeing uh, a principal like that on screen is not common, so I was very, very happy um, to see that on screen. But when I found out who it was, I was even happier because it's Mandy Patinkin. <gasps> yeah, and I I didn't recognize him because he had this big bushy beard, and I like I'm watching him act. I'm like, I know this actor. Who is this? And so I looked it up, and I was like, Oh my god! No wonder I loved him so much. Um, yeah, he, he's fantastic in the movie. Again, he's not a major character, but he gets like I think four awesome scenes in the movie that are just so great. Um, I can't. I literally, I think I cried almost the entire movie. Um, and again, I went in kind of not wanting to see it because I was thinking it's just going to be really melodramatic and it's going to be cheesy. cheesy, and it might have a little bit of both of those things. But man, it worked for me on like every level. And again, the really great performances. I, I want to see Julia Roberts do some more drama stuff like this, uh, of this caliber, because the writing, I think, in this film is really cool, um, and it works. Where Like, she was in Mother's Day last year, which is supposed to be super awful. Um, it's another one. I think it's, um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank, Gary Marshall, I think, is the director uh, for Mother's Day, and it just, it, it bombed, and I've heard it's awful. She might be great in it, but I can't, I have not gone to, to that movie. But I think that concludes my... Uh, movie watching for the week next week on i'm kidding <laughs> well i probably won't watch that many next week because we'll be back at work next week but um i do have the weekend still so i might watch another two or three uh from various services and per day. Um, i have also watched though a few episodes of the office <clears throat> and i'm on episode five i think i just finished episode five Hold of on. The punisher are you watching the american office i am re-watching the american office correct I know you don't like Steve Carell, but I think he's so funny, and I'm so glad he was not my boss ever. Uh, that and that's part of the reason I don't like him because he does he annoys me more than anything else. Uh, but it's so funny because it's not me. But, but if it was me, I'd probably go to HR like every day. There are <laughs> episodes though um, where I really do love Michael Scott, but there are more episodes where he drives me nuts. Um, but there are key key episodes where I I am. Where he wins me over because he's like um, early. Like I watched, I've seen all of the episodes. I did. I don't think I've ever seen season one. I skipped season one. Um, it's so it's so slow. I just can't do one. Um, and that's what, everyone I've ever talked to agrees with me and says you can skip one and you're fine. Um, when I watched it the first time through, though, I think I skipped a major chunk from two to three. Um, oh, and so. I've now seen all of those episodes that I missed. Like, I missed a lot of the time when Jim wasn't in uh, Scranton, when he was at um, the other place that I can't think of what it's called now. Um, Thank you. I missed a lot of those. And my daughter got into the office, though, and she's way ahead of me. I think she's on season eight now. Um, 
and she's loving it, and that makes me really happy. Um, but then I'm trying to like like wait till you watch Parks and Rec because it's way better. Because I still I love The oh. Office, but I love Parks and Rec. I think Parks and Rec is perfect. Uh, I except for season just, one. Season one's weak on Parks and Rec too. But I feel like I like it. Um, yeah, it, it, but it but, feels like a knockoff of The Office in season one, where the end of season two it becomes its own show. I never got into the show with uh, Tina Fey. I tried watching two or three episodes, and I was like, Meh. I feel the same way with that. Um, although people love it, I I just I just can't. I think it's too much of a caricature. Like Alec Baldwin and Tracy Morgan's characters don't feel like real people to me. Like, and I just can't get past it. Um, just, yeah. But yep. Uh, and then, as I said, I watched. Uh, I'm on episode. I've watched five episodes of The Punisher, which I think I started last week before we recorded. But I'm just kind of slowly watching it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've been watching. So I didn't mean to take up quite so much time, but I ten saw minutes it. later. I'm so kidding. It's, no, it's closer to twenty. But um. <laughs> oh shoot! <laughs> so that said, yes. Let's look at what's coming out on home video this week. Um, and I'm going to do some uh, research because I've only heard of one of these movies this week. Um, Logan Lucky, which is I've not only heard of but I've seen. Oh. Um, so the Steven Soderbergh film stars Channing Tatum, Adam Driver. Um, hold on, there's more people than that, but I don't have it. Oh, Daniel Craig is an important one. Um, and I, I enjoyed the movie for the most part. Um, there were elements that I I thought it it was a little bit. It's basically country Ocean's Eleven, like even the way the plot breaks down and stuff. If you've seen Ocean's Eleven, when you watch Logan Lucky, you're gonna see a lot of the same plot structure. Um, applied to it, but it's it's enjoyable for sure. Um, I I tend to like Channing Tatum. Um, there is I'm trying what's her name. There it is Riley Keough or Riley Keough. Um, she is in a bunch of stuff this last year and a half. She was in American Honey last year. She was one of the uh, Mad Max Fury Road um women, uh, and then Logan Lucky, and she is probably my favorite part of Logan Lucky. She's great. Um, and Parks and Rec fans will be happy to see Jim O'Hare. Who is uh, Jerry or um, is Jerry? Hold on a second. He has three names. He's a very small part, but nonetheless, he's in the movie. That Riley Keough girl. Uh huh. Lisa Marie Presley is her mom. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't either. Well, she's a really good actress from what I've seen. Um, Katie Holmes is in this movie too, but she's got a really small part, so don't let that discourage you. Um, Although I loved, was it the? Orphanage? What was that movie she was in? I think it was a Guillermo del Toro, maybe. Oh, was she in that? Yeah, I did. She was not. a stepmom. I he he's not the director. I think he presented the orphanage. Oh, okay. Um, he definitely didn't direct it. He may have written it or something, but I I think he's just on the, you know, like Tarantino's done Tarantino presents and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but that that one has a seventy eight Metacritic score, uh, and a seven point two user rating on IMDb. And again, I liked it. There, it was just. Again, it felt like Redneck Ocean's Eleven, um, so that part was kind of like, okay, well, you, you've got a formula that works, Soderbergh, I guess, stick to it. Um, next up is a movie that I've not heard of, I don't think at least, called Lost in Paris, and um, it is a foreign film, I'm pretty sure, of... The premise says, Fiona visits Paris for the first time to assist her myopic Aunt Martha, Cast... Uh, Cata- catastrophes ensue mainly involving dom a homeless man who has yet to have an emotion or thought he was afraid of expressing oh no um i thought this 
So I was going a different direction with that. Um, the actor. Well, the actors are the directors. Uh, Fiona Gordon and Dominique Abel are both, it looks like they're the leads and directing, and looks like they might have written it as well. So, yeah, they did. Um, so it's all all indie. It has a 75 Metacritic, but a 6.4 user rating. Um, it, I'm intrigued by it, for, to say the least. I haven't watched the trailer or anything, but it looks like it could be pretty funny. Um, so, Lost in Paris. And then, last up is another movie that I have not heard of. Uh, called Super Dark Times. And it's not my life. <laughs> Ouch. Um, <laughs> teenagers Zach and Josh have been best friends their whole lives, but when a gruesome accident leads to a cover-up, the secret drives a wedge between them and propels them down a rabbit hole of escalating paranoia and violence. Um, stars Owen Campbell and Charlie Tahan. Um, Elizabeth Cappuccino, which is my favorite name ever. Um <laughs> John changes his name. Tom Berkenfeld. If I ever change my name, it's going to be Jonathan Batman. But okay, fair enough. Um, um, how come the this whole premise sounds like Stand by Me to some reason? For some reason? Oh, I don't know. It might be inspired by because it, it does look like there are four boys. Um, I don't know. It's listed as a drama and a thriller on IMDb, uh, directed by Kevin Phillips, who uh, has not directed much he's directed six things uh, but it looks like they're all shorts but it looks like he was a cinematographer for a lot of good stuff including um childish gambino sober forgetting uh really and for 3005 those are two of my favorite music videos like ever so this guy's got some chops behind the camera yeah uh sober is the one where he's like dancing in the diner right yeah where he just starts uh childish gambino shows up all over the place um in the diner so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, really like that. And well, he was listed as something else. What is he listed for here? Camera and something else for forgetting Sarah Marshall. Camera and electrical department for forgetting Sarah Marshall. So he's he's been in the industry for a while. So he's finally got to direct a feature. Um, I'm kind of intrigued by it. I might check this one out. This might be the movie that I pick. In fact, it will be. I'm going to say uh, of the three, I'm going to try to watch Super Dark Times. Um, Corey, which one intrigues you the most? Probably this one or the Paris. Lost in Paris does sound interesting too. I think that one might be harder to get without paying a high end for it because I. Go ahead. Oh, when I first saw the names, for some reason I thought it was Dominic Pignon from uh, like oh. Delicatessen, and uh, I had the wrong the names wrong. That's yeah. why I was like super excited. <clears throat> well, you're about to get super excited and somewhat disappointed. So. The next thing we do on Movie Club is we talk about what's coming out to theaters on the next Friday, which is December 1st. There are no wide releases set for December 1st as of this recording. But there are three movies that I really want to see, and one of which I actually have seen and I've already mentioned. Um, So if you're paying attention, listener, you already know what movie is coming out on Friday, but I don't know how wide they're going to be. But let's start um, with... The one I guess I've already spoke about, The Disaster Artist, uh, is released. Again, it's currently as limited. I don't know how many theaters it's going to be in. I would expect big markets to uh, have it. Um, if you're not familiar with this movie, um, one, in the week pending, if you're interested in this after we talk about it, you should watch The Room. Not Room with Brie Larson and Jacob Tremblay, but The Room, written and starring Tommy Wiseau. 
I'm not watching that movie. Oh, Corey. Okay. Here's the alternative. <laughs> if you are okay. of the mindset that you can't enjoy a bad movie, then you should do one of two things. One is find out if the Rift Tracks version of The Room is available to watch. And a lot of the Rift Tracks stuff has been added to Prime. So if it is, oh, then watch it because that's amazing. Um, if you can't do that on YouTube, I don't usually recommend Cinema Sins because of a lot of uh, intelligent people pointing out why it's not a beneficial thing for anybody and why we should not support Cinema Sins. However, he has a 20 minute Cinema Sin for The Room where he shows you enough of the movie that you get the gist of why the movie's so bad without having to sit for the whole hour and a half or whatever the actual running time is. But the premise of The Disaster Artist is based on uh, Greg Sestero's book, who is um, one of the co-writers, kind of, and one of the co-stars of the movie The Room. Um, So the premise is when Greg Sestero, an aspiring film actor, meets the weird and mysterious Tommy Wiseau, in an acting class, they form a unique friendship and travel to Hollywood to make their dreams come true. So that's the premise of The Disaster Artist. It is based on the true story of Greg Sestero and Tommy Wiseau and their creation of what's considered to be the Citizen Kane of bad movies, The Room. Uh, currently, The Disaster Artist does have a 76 on Metacritic, so there are critic releases out proving that I'm not truly under embargo. Um, but it has an 8.1 IMDb user score. It has a crazy massive cast because James Franco is uh, directing um, and so he's brought in a lot of his friends. We have Eliza Coop, Allison Bree, Zoe Dutch, Kristen Bell, James Franco, Josh Hutcherson, Tommy Wiseau himself shows up at one point. Megan Mullally is listed. I don't remember seeing her in the movie though so she she may have been cut on the editing room floor. Uh, Zach Efron, Lizzie, I didn't recognize Efron the first time he shows up in the movie by the way. Um, Lizzie Kaplan, Seth Rogen, Brian Cranston, Brett Gelman, Sharon Stone, um, Dave Franco, who is really the co-star in the movie, and I don't know why he's billed so far down. Um, oh, Lizzie Kaplan. Uh, June Diane Raphael, who I don't know. Adam Scott, Jason Matsukis, Dylan Mignette, who I also did not see in the movie. Kate Upton, I did not see in the movie. Uh, Melanie Griffith, J.J. <sighs> Abrams, um, Ari Grainer, Greg Cicero himself. Uh, Christopher Mintz Plazzi, I don't remember seeing him in the movie. Judd Apatow, Bud Odenkirk, Bob, sorry, Bob. Holy um, Zach Braff is listed. I don't remember seeing him in the movie. Um, there is the the introduction to the movie are actors talking about the room, um, like documentary style, and uh, like Kevin Smith is in it. J.J. Um, Abrams shows up there. So does um, uh, who is the director that really had uh, Adam Scott? Adam Scott says a lot in the beginning. Um, and so I don't remember seeing Zach Braff and I am a Zach Braff fan so I feel like if he was in that opening part I would remember so he may have just had one line or something and that's why I don't remember him Kevin Smith has like two lines but they they cut his lines pretty badly in my opinion like he probably rambled because it's Kevin Smith and that is what he does Um, but uh, Hannibal Burris and Randall Park are also in this I think I've covered all the really big names uh, oh no Paul Shear is also a major um, name who's in this movie and I think that covers the big name. Oh, Gerard Carmichael, who's co- up and coming. Yeah, it's it's a cast. Now a lot of these a lot of these people are not on screen very much. You're definitely uh, Tom, James Franco is playing Tommy Wiseau and is directing, which is appropriate because Tommy Wiseau directed, uh, wrote, produced, and starred in the room. Um, and it is a comedy, um, but. It's also a, it's a biopic for sure, and it is a drama. Like there are some really great moments, and 
my review will talk more in detail, but that is coming out in at least limited release on December 1st. Um, it might be more wide on December 7th. Uh, according to IMDb, that's what it's saying. Um, all of our movie release dates I get from Box Office Mojo. So if anything is inaccurate, I blame Box Office Mojo. But um, it is limited release on Friday. Again, we're not talking about wide releases because there's none listed for, for December 1st. So um, do you have any comments on Disaster Artist, Corey? Well, my theater finally got Lady Bird. Oh, nice. I didn't have to wait too long. And we had, I showed you that creepy picture um, with the big cardboard cut out like a, I don't know what that's called, where it's like a little scene you can pop into. Um, It was hidden all the way down at the end with all the little baby theaters, but it gives me hope. I really want to see this movie. I've never seen The Room. I don't think I'm going to watch it either. I've heard enough about it, I feel like. Um, But I'm super excited to see this. Well, again, I'm not going to get into my review, but um, uh, four four of the Burke Reviews related people went to see it for our screening. Um, Mike went with me, which is rare uh, for him to come, get to come to a screening because it's usually on a school night, but it happened to be during Thanksgiving break. Um, Big Tuna is now uh, on the A24 critic list himself, so he was able to bring a guest, so we invited Brendan, um, who's been on this podcast a couple of times. So the four of us saw it together, and I think collectively... Um, Mike and I saw the room at Rift Tracks like two years ago at, at a Fathom event and um, loved the experience, hated the room, of course. The movie is awful, but uh, with Rift Tracks, it was a super great time. And um, uh, both Big Tuna and Brendan had never seen the room, so we had kind of interesting points of view. Um, Mike and I thought the movie was um, – you could watch the movie and not see the room and still find it entertaining and interesting – but if you've seen The Room, there's a lot of stuff that you will get extra enjoyment from because there are direct references, sometimes obligatory where it's like it has to be in the movie. Other times it's kind of subtle, and if you know The Room, you'll know why the, what's happening on screen is happening, and it takes on extra significance. So uh, kind of our our take on it. For some reason, I thought that The Room was much older than 2003. Yeah, um, I kind of did too. And it's weird. I'm seeing like 80s, 90s. Yeah, it's not though. Um, and there's still some. Uh, there's a lot of mystery about Tommy Wiseau that the movie kind of gets into. So I'll leave it there. I don't want to spoil anything, nor do I want to give out anything that violates the embargo. So let's go to the next movie that's also in limited release. This one might be a little more accessible, and I'm hoping that it's just not officially getting the wide release as of the moment. But it's Guillermo del Toro's new film, The Shape oh of Water. My God. Right. Uh, it currently has an 87 on Metacritic, um, 7.6 user rating. It has a star-studded cast that I'm excited about. Sally Hawkins, Michael Shannon, Richard Jenkins, who we are both big fans of, Octavia Spencer. And yeah, and Michael Shannon. Um, Octavia Spencer, who I love. Uh, Michael Stuhlberg, uh, who is great. Doug Jones. Oh. And then He's playing the creature? He is, of course, playing the creature. Um, he is the go-to Hollywood actor for creatures, much like... Um, Andy Serkis is the go-to motion capture actor for Hollywood. Um, 
If you haven't seen the premise or heard the premise, an otherworldly fairy tale set against the backdrop of Cold War era America, circa 1962, in the hidden high security government laboratory where she works alone. Uh, she works, sorry, lonely Elisa, played by Sally Hawkins, is trapped in a life of isolation. Elisa's life is um, changed forever when she's she and co-worker Zelda, Octavia Spencer, discover a secret classified experiment, um, which is the creature that Corey alluded to. Uh, the trailer looks amazing. I've heard uh, Slash Filmcast was discussing this kind of casually today on their, well, whenever the last podcast released, I was listening to it today. Um, and they seem to really like it as well. I can't wait to see it. I hope it's going to come to at least Orlando um, maybe this weekend and I can actually get to check that out. So so that one you said is limited release? According to Box Office Mojo, there are oh, no live releases. Oh, I hope it's wrong. I, I do too, and I think there's a chance that it will be because nothing. Only one movie came out this week, which was Coco. Um, everything else that came out this week was in limited as well. Um, like Lady Bird got a wider wider release this week, but it's been out for a couple of weeks. And Florida Project still expanding; it's still moving into other theaters. So yeah, that hasn't rolled to my area yet. Uh, no, we're we're getting it to our Polk Theater in Lakeland on uh, Tuesday. It starts, which is unusual for the Polk Theater. They don't usually do Tuesday through Thursday stuff. Um, they do usually just weekend shows, but they're doing Tuesday through, I think it's Tuesday through Friday, and I think there's no showing Saturday because of an event or something, and then I think Sunday through the following Saturday, there's showings for Florida Project, which is, I think, the most showings I've seen that theater do for any movie in the last, like, two years that I've been kind of aware of that theater. Um, but I'm hoping The Shape of Water will come to Orlando or Lakeland would be ideal so that I can see it as soon as possible. Um, and the last movie that is listed as, uh, it's listed as limited, and I think that's kind of the staple for this director, is the new Woody Allen film, uh, Wonder Wheel. Um, Wonder Wheel currently has a 55 on Metacritic and a 6.1 user score, and the premise is on Coney Island in the 1950s, a lifeguard tells the story of a middle-aged carousel operator and his beleaguered wife. Um, it stars Jim Belushi, Juno Temple, Justin Timberlake, Corey, there you go. Um, and oh. one of my favorite actresses, Kate Winslet. Um, and that's oh, Dave, David Premholtz is in it. I'm 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 ignoring. I'm not reading every name because a lot of these people I'm not familiar with. Which of course does not mean they're not famous. It may just be in movies that I have not seen. Um, and I mean no offense by not reading Debbie Mazar, who is in a lot of stuff I've seen. Uh, oh. is way down on the list though. Um. Yep, but I am uh, I am definitely, I wouldn't say I'm a fan of Woody Allen. I've seen only a few of his films. I like some, I like I dislike others. Um, and obviously this is kind of splitting critics that we're sitting at a 55 on Metacritic. Some highest scores in 83 and lowest scores of 40 um, on the, the reviews on IMDb. But I would watch this, especially since there's nothing else coming out necessarily if this gets a wider release than usual. Um, I think this will mainly play art house theaters and a few of the the theaters that get those indie films. I don't think this will get a truly wide release. Um, I don't know if there's any. I haven't really heard any Oscar buzz around this particular film, so I don't know that it's going to get that release. Obviously, Woody Allen movies are meant to be prestige films that are eligible for the Oscars, but the critic score is saying it probably won't. But um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on Woody Allen, Corey? I think he's a creep, and I think his creepiness leads into the few movies I've seen of his. Yeah, and I, I think especially um, the creep. If you go in knowing, I have you seen Annie Hall? 
Nope. And I have a hard time, like, even delving any further into his work because he's a creep. And I've only seen, like, I don't know, not many at all, maybe one or two even. And it's just, like, we know you're a creep. We know that you date much younger women. Or wasn't it his... I don't know. He's a creep. And I just saw that. Ugh. I can't. I, and it's like I want to watch Annie Hall because I've heard such good things about it. Yeah. And then I can't. There's some really good. Like some people think it's the best comedy ever. I, I don't think that at all. I did. I did enjoy it. Um, and there are some scenes in the film that I love, uh, particularly a scene where he's standing in, the, in a line for the to see a movie. And he breaks the fourth wall in that scene. Um, and talks to the audience, and just the thoughts that he has about standing in lines m- echoes my own thoughts so much. Um, just, it's so great. Like, there's a guy talking about, like, trying to sound like he knows about film in front of him, and it's uh, oh, it's God. just so great. Um, and it's very cynical and, and kind of sarcastic, and that is definitely my, my attitude about a lot of things, like, especially standing in lines. I get very negative standing in lines. Um, I, I don't... I just... Yeah, but so I I recommend Annie Hall for sure. Um, it it definitely still has some of the creepiness, and uh, there's other films of, of his that I've heard are extra extra creepy. Um, and I think I've heard that this one is the same, but because he's not in it, it's easier to kind of separate his past from the story on screen. Um, I think I heard that about this film. That might have been a different film. Um, I I've heard a lot more reviews about Woody Allen films than I've seen Woody Allen films. Um. I think I've only seen Annie Hall of his old stuff, and I've seen his more recent stuff, um, a few of them, like Blue Jasmine, which I didn't love. Um, I actually really liked the one with Joaquin Phoenix and Emma Stone. Oh, I hated it. Yeah, most people did. Um, I I found a lot of enjoyment in it. Um, And I love Joaquin. I know, and there was somebody else in it that was good, too. Um, The older female actress was good. I can't think of who it was, though. Hmm. Oh, well. Um, that concludes our theatrical releases. Corey, which one are you most hoping shows up at your theater? Disaster Artist. Really? Over Shape of Water? Um, oh, I, we're like talking about, uh, okay, so definitely Shape of Water. I love Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, so I'm like, So much. You love so him? Much. You love Michael Shannon? <laughs> like, <sighs> Michael Shannon. And then, then there's another movie with Justin Timberlake coming out. I just feel like, yes. Um... But that's Wonder Wheel with Woody Allen. Yeah, but I'm just like, all my boyfriends. I'm sorry. Yeah. My husband does not listen to this. Um, (laughs) But I really do hope. I've been super stoked and wanting to see Disaster Artists so bad. Mm. It just looks like it's going to be so hilarious. Well, I I forgot to mention Ryan Adams is in the Disaster Artist. No, he's not. No, he's not. I was just kidding. Um, Thought I could get your hopes up, but I failed. So... um, Oh, can I, can we side note? I I, I mentioned Zac yes. Efron in the Disaster Artist. Um, yes. he, he's an actor who I I I like in certain roles. Um, he does. He's getting typecast a lot as the the dumb stud. The hot. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there there's a new movie coming out that I am stupidly excited over, and I don't know if you've seen it. And it's it's not out for a couple of weeks. Um, but it stars Hugh Jackman and uh, Zac Efron. On what? Do you, do you not know what it is? No. Okay, it's called The Greatest Showman, and it's a musical what? inspired by the imagination of P.T. Barnum, The Greatest Showman, an original musical that celebrates the birth of show business and tells of a visionary 
who rose from nothing to create a spectacle that became a worldwide sensation. Um, and I think it looks amazing. Like, I don't know why, because I'm not usually a musical person. And the only other musical that I know Hugh Jackman has done is Les Mis, and I hate that movie. So, yet, the trailer for this gets me super excited. Um, and, oh, Michelle Williams is in it, and Rebecca Ferguson, oh, and Zendaya, who, Zendaya I've only really seen in Spider-Man Homecoming, but she was great. Um, and then other people who I don't know, but it it looks fun and crazy and i want to see it and um and michelle williams is pt barnum's wife and there's a scene in the trailer that i'm like i got choked up in so like i'm all in on that and it's not out for a couple weeks so i don't know why i brought it up but i i, I just i can't wait for it i'm like stupidly excited for it i don't know if la la land broke me of my uh f- my disposition towards musicals last year but i'm really hyped uh about this and it doesn't come out till december 20th but I'm going to be there when it comes out because I'm that excited about it. Um, <laughs> I think I need snaps of you just cheesing well, <laughs> in the theater. The music, um, I, th- I can't remember. I think it's the lyricist from La La Land is, uh, did the, the songs for this movie. So that also probably has me like, okay, I love the songs from La La Land, so it's got to be great, right? Um, so, yeah. Uh, that's not coming out till the twentieth. I just I can't. I just saw the trailer um, on the big screen for the first time. I think this week, and I'm I'm so I'm so sold. I want to see it very much. Um, that leads us to our review for the week: uh, coffee and cigarettes from Jim Jarmusch, and has a crazy huge cast um, that I won't list everybody, but uh, Bill Murray, Tom Waits, Iggy Pop, Stephen Wright, uh, Joey Lee, and Sin Q Lee, Steve Buscemi's in there. Um, you got Kate Blanchett. Uh, man, there's Jack so and Meg White. Jack and Meg White. Sorry, sorry. Steve Buscemi. I mentioned him. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Did you say Tom Waits? Yeah, you did. I did. Um, there, man, there was uh, Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina and Steve Coogan. Um, were the two that I was trying desperately to think Rizza of. Rizza and Giza. R- Rizza and uh, I think it's is it Giza uh, sounds worse, so maybe it's Giza. It's definitely a G, but um, did I say Giza? I thought, it was, I thought they rhymed. Yeah, it, it definitely does, oh. but I don't know if it's Jizza or Gizza. Um, Jizza sounds awful, though, so we're going to go with Gizza. Um, <laughs> so this is, uh, I, I would say it's probably listed as an avant-garde type of film um, because it doesn't have a traditional narrative structure. Um, it's a series of vignettes, and I'd get the impression they were filmed over a long period of time. Like, I don't think they were all filmed... At one time, although I could definitely be wrong, I, I really wish I'd had more time to do some digging on this movie because I don't feel like I know enough about it. Um, I'm going to see about uh, the IMDb trivia while we're looking through this film, but why don't you give your initial thoughts on coffee and cigarettes before we get into our spoiler warning? Um, I don't really know what I went into this movie expecting. Um, I've wanted to see more of... I'm going to say Jarmish's um, work because I really, really, really love Last Lovers Left Alive, I think is what it's called. That's the vampire movie with Tilda Swinton. And um, Tom Hiddleston. And oh. it has my boy. Um, now I'm blanking out. Oh, my God. Like my favorite. <sighs> Mike Myers? I'm the worst. Nope. It has, a, I think, Chloe. <laughs> is it Chloe Grace Moretz oh, in this she one? Might be it. I have not seen uh, it, and I, I am. It's very much on my radar, and I want to watch that one too. I need to 
buy it. But um, I really enjoyed that movie, so I've been wanting to see some of his other work. So I don't really know what I went in expecting for this movie. Um, I'm still really thinking about this movie, and I hope that I work it out a little more as we talk about it. Okay. But Anton Yelchin is in it, and Mia Wasikowska is also in. Oh yeah, that's why it's that's why it's been on my radar so hard. That and I am a fan of Jim Jarmusch. I have seen um, two of his other two of his other films. Only two though. I've seen Broken Flowers with uh, Bill Murray, which I loved um, a lot, like so much, because I am a huge Bill Murray fan. Like the the man, I think if I was in a room with him, I would just laugh. Like the best example of me is Emma Stone in Zombieland. Like there's a part when he's dying in Zombie spoilers uh, when he dies in Zombieland, and Emma Stone laughs, and everyone gives her a look. She's like, he, I just, he just gets me or something like that. And that's me with Bill Murray. Like everything he does makes me laugh. And so, um, I had to see Broken Flowers, and it's not a comedy necessarily, although there's definitely comedic elements. Um, but I, I love the movie, and I think Bill Murray's performance is great. And then I watched his most recent film, which is Patterson, um, that stars Adam Driver, who I am you know, trying to become a big fan of because he's a part of my Star Wars universe, and I have to love everything in the Star Wars universe, um, except for Jar Jar Binks. He's a demon. But um, I've, I've kind of reached out to some more of Adam Driver stuff. He's in Midnight Special, which I really liked his performance in that. And I love him in Patterson. I, I loved Patterson. It's quiet. Um, it's very thought provoking in a in a small way. It's not a it's not an epic film. It's a very quiet film. It's about a poet who lives in a town called Patterson, whose name also is Patterson. And uh he, you do that to your kids. he drives a bus. He's a bus driver. Like not like a school a bus, city like bus? the city bus. And okay. um he's very content and lives in a routine. He does the same thing every day. Um he's very, very set to a schedule. Now his wife Super opposite, very much erratic, um, spontaneous, changes what she wants to do every day. Like one day she wants to be a guitar player, the next day she wants to be a baker. Um, and it's not because she's not good at any of them. She's kind of good at all of them. And he has found like this perfect kind of symbiotic relationship with her where they just get along. You know, he's very supportive of her um, and she encourages him to be more spontaneous, but he's not really there. I, I love Patterson. I, I really actually want to rewatch it. I, I enjoyed it so much because um, there there is some drama in the film, but it's it's so it's it's a very small film. The stakes only really affect him, but I'm so invested in the character that when it happens, it's you know it's you care that it happens. Um, and so my my opinion of Jim Jarmusch is is positive. Like I really like his his style. I like his writing um, and. Uh, looking at the IMDb trivia did confirm what I thought. Um, Coffee and Cigarettes was made over a 17-year period. Oh, and it was originally three short films, and those three short films yeah. were put into this. Which I asked about when we did our when you picked this last week. I'm like, is this which one is this? I didn't realize there I were didn't three realize at the until time. I read like today. Got it. Um, so the first scene in the film, which is uh, Roberto Benini and Stephen Wright was filmed in 1986. So I was four years old when that scene was filmed. Um, and the official movie as a collective of the three short stories was done in 2003, which is what we watched on Amazon Prime. Uh, actually, sorry, we watched on Tribeca Shortlist through Amazon Prime. Um, I can't believe that this one is like 50, almost 15 years old. Which one? 
Oh, the movie. The itself. one that we watch. Yeah. Well, because well, that shot the 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 first scene is seventeen years old itself, but the actual <sighs> release of the collective is fifteen years old. So holy hell! Yeah, it's thirty-two years old at first. Movie, so it oh, does show his. I think it gets uh, the quality of the film gets better, but that could be equipment availability and obviously sets because that first set looks like it was just like in someone's backyard kind of thing. Um, it doesn't look like they're anywhere fancy where like some of the later sets are super fancy, especially Kate Blanchett scene. Like that scene is super fancy. Um, uh, what I'll talk about before we get into spoilers, which I don't, I don't know that you can really spoil this film cause there isn't a narrative to spoil per se. Um, I definitely think there's something he's expressing that I don't know if I fully grasp or not. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, he uses an overhead shot frequently. Every, every scene has at I least one that. overhead shot where we're looking down at the table and we can see inside the coffee mugs and the ashtray and whatever else is on the table. Most of the tables, I would say, I don't want to say 90%, but I would say a high 80%, maybe 90% of the tables are checker pattern or have a tablecloth with a checker pattern on them. Did you mm-hmm. notice that? Mm-hmm. Now there, are, I think three exceptions um, throughout where it wasn't a tr- straight up ta- uh, checkered pattern. Um, the Kate Blanchett scene was not checkered pattern, but it was fancier. But the walls had a diamond type pattern behind it that was reminiscent of a checkerboard, um, but not exact. And I think the Alfred Molina Steve Coogan sequence um, does not have a checkered pattern. But that scene has another anomaly. Do you know what the anomaly was? Steve Coogan, Alfred Molina did not drink coffee. They drank they drank tea. Uh, very explicitly said, "I ordered you a tea." Um, it's the only scene where no coffee is drank. Um, the Rizza and Jizza do not drink coffee, but their waiter does. We'll save that for spoilers. Um, <laughs> but um, what? Unlike what we normally do, I do think we have to go in order on this one um, because it's basically not a single movie that we watch. We watch several shorts that are connected by a theme of coffee and cigarettes and some dialogue throughout the film that is repeated in certain scenes. But it's not every scene. And so that's where I'm not sure if I'm getting what he was saying or if I'm just starting to get what he was going for. But that's where I think we need to probably go to spoilers. But before we do that. I'd say overall, I enjoyed the film. It's weird uh, to watch a film that's not narrative. I am definitely a fan of narrative structure, but um, I, I just I like Jarmish's uh, style. And I'm wondering if this is a thing he does, as I've only seen two, um, that he tells the, his stories are very different. Like I don't. I don't even know how to explain that. But I haven't seen the uh, the vampire movie that you saw. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's a more traditional narrative in that movie? Like, is there like a beginning, middle, and an end? Um, yes. And you're following a character who has goals, and there's opposition or some kind of conflict they go through. Like, it's a more traditional story. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, so mm-hmm. Patterson is, I would say, it's more traditional, um, but. Your major conflict doesn't come until really like the last act, which is not usually where a conflict would arise. It usually starts in the first act. You have the inciting incident, and then you get into your your fun and games and stuff like that in act two, and then act three is set up for the resolution. In Patterson, 
for the most part, you're in setup for a good chunk of the movie. You're just learning about the guy, and then conflict arises. Now, there's many conflicts throughout, but the real conflict of the story, the one that has the life-altering implications and raises the stakes, doesn't happen until really late in the film. And yet, I found it very compelling, and it worked, but it's definitely not a traditional story structure. And Broken Flowers has a very traditional story structure, but the ending leaves a lot of people frustrated because they're not happy with the resolution. But I like the lack of resolution in that film. Here, we don't... I don't think there's a plot, per se, um, which is why I'm saying it's avant-garde, or at least experimental. Um, Even within the scenes, I don't think there is a true plot. There is a beginning, middle, and an end. How much of that you get varies from scene to scene. Like, I think uh, the first scene has almost nothing it's it's it feels very improv too especially compared to the other scenes i think it is clearly the oldest one in the movie and it shows how i think it shows how much he's grown by the last scene leaps and bounds of better filmmaking by the end um so i would say i enjoyed it overall and your thought i i enjoyed it i just mm, i don't know all right, well, let's see what we can do. Uh, Corey, let's give the spoiler warning. Dun, dun, dun. We are going to talk about coffee and cigarettes. We're going to talk about the plot. We might ruin it for you if you want to go watch it first. It's on Tribeca shortlist. Um, and then you can come back and give us a listen. Otherwise, we'll steam ahead. Now, I... Um, we're going to go from short to short or vignette to vignette. Um, they're they're easily titled, which made it... I, I made a note of each title. Um, so I have those right in front of me, and I have little blurbs. Uh, some I have a lot of blurbs, and others I have just a few sentences. Um, I don't think I missed anything. Let's see here. If I'm right, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. 11 vignettes is what I have showing? Yep. Okay, perfect. And I missed none. Um, I did miss twice, but I caught it and rewound and got the title. Um, I was not 100% watching this i have to i'll admit i was doing some other stuff in the, while watching it um i honestly don't remember what i was doing i know i was on my computer but i can't remember why i, I felt I, I had a crazy day today <laughs> i woke up with the migraine that was me yesterday and then um our i, I that uh i don't mean to cut away from the movie but i broke the shutoff valve of our sec our guest bathroom toilet the other day and I don't know, on Monday, before I went to see the disaster artist, um, two hours before it, to be precise, I break that. Um, I have a near anxiety attack, not knowing how to stop the amount of water that was gushing out of this little pipe under the toilet. Um, flooded my hallway. Oh, shit. Finally got the water turned off outside after uh, having to find a tool, having to unbury the, uh, the sh- uh, shutoff valve, because apparently it's not been touched in God knows how long. Um, but finally got that turned off, uh, went and got a shot back from, from my mother-in-law and was able to get the water out of the hallway. Um, but now I have an issue cause I can't leave the water off and go see the disaster artist. So I had to figure out a temporary fix, which I did and by luck and failure on a couple of times and almost a heart attack. Um, but, uh, we asked a handyman that we're friends with to come by and work on it, um, he said he could do it after Thanksgiving. He literally meant after Thanksgiving, which I did not know. So I was surprised to find him at my door this morning. Um, which, oh, you know, then cost, you know, that was, uh, I had to do kind of, I don't help, but I'm like, you know, around and available. So I couldn't do what I had planned on doing. 
Um, which is great because I really needed it to be officially fixed because it has been like, what if it just breaks again, you know, kind of thing. Um, so now it's fixed and some other stuff we needed done is done. Um, but that took up like three hours of my day. Uh, I completely forgot I needed to watch this movie and luckily remembered at two o'clock. Like, oh my God, I'm running out of time. I need to watch this movie. So I did. And um, I definitely was still like kind of reestablishing my day. So there were parts that I was not looking at the screen, but I, I was, I feel like I did a good job of doing both, but let's start off with strange to meet you, which is uh Stephen Wright and the other guy's name who I don't remember. Cause I'm not familiar with him as a uh, Roberto, Roberto Benini. Benigni. I don't know. Oh. Benin, Benin, yeah. I like yours. Sounds yeah. cooler. Um, Benigni, yeah. So I, uh, that scene's really rough. It, it's the first scene, as I noted on the trivia, and it almost made me not want to watch the movie because I was Hold like... Hold on. This, this gave me, like, super anxiety. Mm-hmm. Oh, hell. Um, like, I loved... I thought that he did a really good job, though. Um, so, I grew up in a family of chain smokers. Like, m- my grandparents wouldn't even have one cigarette put out and they would already be lighting another one while the other one's still burning in their cigarette. I'm sorry, in their ashtray. And it was just like that all the time, all the time, all the time. And I totally got that feeling was totally reminded of that Mm -hmm. with all the coffee cups that weren't even empty. And then he would start picking up another one and drinking. And then didn't he say he ordered for his friend? I don't know because I could not get past his accent. Like I could not I understand was what he's saying. So anxious. Um, and them shaking. And just like, They're shaking yes. so much. And, yeah, because with that overhead shot, you are seeing the coffee like ripple in the cup a lot. Yeah, and you. But also that the the coffee's never gone. They have four cups of coffee, and they are moving yeah. throughout the coffee. Uh, there's no creamer in any of the coffee in this scene, although that changes from scenes. Um, it's sometimes more, I think, in, intentional than others. Um, that scene, yeah, they're, it's it's so crazy. And Stephen, the only scene that made me laugh was when they switched seats and then switched seats again, although that felt like an old comedic bit. Um, it was like, it it felt like they were doing it intentionally to be like an old, like almost Abbott and Costello type of bit. Yes. Um, but that, yeah, we introduced all of our, that reoccurring imagery. We have the coffee and the cigarettes. Um, we have the, I don't, I didn't take a lot of notes on this scene. I didn't feel like it was. I well, I laughed a lot because um, Stephen is, like, supposed to go to the dentist. Yes. And he doesn't want to go. And then, so Roberto is like, well, I'll go for you. Yeah. And then they're happy, and he goes for him. And I'm like, well, why don't you just cancel your appointment? Yeah. <laughs> well, Why him going is not fixing anything. And it was, again, I think you can see the, the age on this particular scene. Um, mm-hmm. It feels older in a lot of ways. Um, it's very grainy. It, it, the quality I of the totally. film is definitely worse. Um, and again, that's the product of the time. 1986 probably had you know borrowed a camcorder or something from a friend or whatever. And the set's not great. The production design is, is definitely on a super tight budget. And it's one of the shorter scenes, I think, in the film. Um, but... I also think it has the least substance. It's 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 a very it's a setup scene. It's getting you ready for the premise of the rest of the sequences, the vignettes that you're going to have. Um, I I didn't dislike it, but it wasn't. Oh. It, I'm like, if this is the whole movie, I don't know how entertained I'm going to be. Yes, but they are in this um, episode. They do talk about like, um, isn't this one of the ones where they talk about like making the 
the caffeine popsicles. They do. Uh, yes, that is one of the recurring themes throughout the uh, – well, actually, and, a lot of this scene is mimicked. In the last in, one. Not just the last one, but the the Rizza, Jizza, like, and Yeah, with the Bill Murray. like dreaming cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They they reference a lot of the the little things in that one. Um, and I know we're gonna go like in order, but that's what I didn't understand when watching this. Is like it didn't seem to make sense about where things re recurred. Well, if we think there are three short films, it would help to know which of these were together in shorts. Um, you know, because again, there there's eleven, so it doesn't even mathematically break down where it's like four in each short. So it would help to know which ones were shown together originally, um, and then maybe you could see the connective tissue between each of the sets of shorts um, a little more. Because right now I don't have that information, and I don't know exactly what was shown where. I'm sure we could do a quick Google search, but I don't know if it's necessary uh, to do it while we're talking. But um, let's let's go through a couple of these other ones. Um, twins. Uh, Again, we have every basically everyone. We have an overhead shot, and again, we've already mentioned which ones don't have the checkerboard. I think um, this is uh, Buscemi shows up in this one, and there's some funny talk about Elvis um, and then his theory, his conspiracy theory of Elvis having an evil twin, uh, which I found super entertaining. Um, and we get, I think this is the first time we get the coffee and cigarettes are not too healthy of a lunch uh, sentence that becomes a recurring theme throughout many of the the vignettes. <laughs> Um, but I, I found this uh, some of the overhead shots to be really great because the twins would like stir each other's coffee and then she puts her gum in her brother's uh, coffee at one point and um, mm-hmm. I found that I found that scene to be uh, still anxious like it made the first two sequences make me somewhat anxious um, but this one I I really found uh, engaging. Uh, I love there's like a part where Steve Buscemi like sits between them at a yep. corner of the table and he's like. Don't move so my boss can't see you. So the evil twin, like, purposefully, leans like, back. purposely leans, leans back. Yeah. I thought that was pretty and funny. And that's uh, Joey Lee and Sinique, uh, Sinque Lee. I'm not sure how to say his name, but. Um, and, yeah, I, I like this one overall. Um, and you definitely see Jarmusch's style starting to kind of develop. The camera work's a little tighter. The quality's a little better. The production value's up a notch. Still not great, but it's better than Strange to Meet You. Um Anything else to add on that one? Mm, no. I think that's pretty good. I did like the the evil twin theory, though. Um, all right. Uh, Somewhere in California. This one is long. It's it's a much longer uh, vignette than the first two. Um, and here we get two non-actors. Well, I guess to be fair, Tom Waits is more of an actor than Iggy Pop. But we get Iggy Pop and Tom Waits. Um, and... Uh, it still makes me anxious, but more because they get into this "what are you saying" kind of like conversation and that always stresses me out. Um, like, what are you saying? Like, because when people read into what you're saying and you're like not, you're not trying to. They're like over, over analyzing. Yeah, but like, um, there's so many funny scenes in this one. Uh, Tom waits. I I can have a cigarette because I quit. Like logic yes. is hilarious. And then he gets Iggy Pop to smoke, too, because he has also quit. But they cannot invite Iggy's wife yeah. because she has quit. And was it something about her self-control? Yes. Um, um, 
I loved this one. Um, I do like Iggy Pop. I haven't delved too far into Tom Waits' um, like music, but I really like some of the things that he's done as a musician. He's like very anti-commercial, which I think is very interesting, even though he's had such a long career and people know about him. And I just think that they like sitting them, seeing them sit down and like talk and have like a normal conversation and drink coffee and smoke cigarettes and do these normal things that I would never imagine them doing, even though I totally know they're people, you know what I mean? It was just, well, I don't know. This one I think introduces one of the themes of the film, which um, Tom Waits says they're the coffee and cigarettes generation. Um, Mm -hmm. And then references like the forties was like the pie and coffee. Um, Mm -hmm. And we get a reference, I think of Abbott and Costello from Iggy pop. there, like, Oh yeah, they were always ordering pie and coffee, Um, which I have to say, I love pie and coffee. Those are two of my favorite things together. Um, I love pie. I I, I like the scene though. uh, I like that. um, Waits calls him like a Taco Bell kind of guy. And that cracked me up. (laughs) Because he gets real offended. <laughs> Wouldn't you? No. no, sadly, I am a Taco Bell guy. But, no, I'm not. Um, oh. And then they talk about IHOP having good coffee, and he says it's a classy brew. But, like, at first, he's, like, kind of resistant to it. Like, what are you trying to say about me? Yeah, and, that and then he's like, times. well, actually, I do like <laughs> I do like their coffee. And I'm like, why do you keep calling it International House Pancakes? And then after, like, 27 times, they finally call it just IHOP. Yeah. Um, I like I like that scene, and I do think that really shows the progression from Jarmusch, uh writing and um, delivery. There, it it just feels it feels a lot more organic. And those are two non actors, um, and I thought he did a good job of getting them to be. Well, again, I guess I can't say that about Tom Waits, but I don't think he Iggy pops in a lot of stuff. He's in Bram Stoker's Dracula, which only further proves my point about him being a non actor. But <laughs> as he shared the stage with a awful Keanu Reeves uh, European accent. And uh, Inferno and Winona Ryder in her probably worst performance that I've seen. Winona's uh, my girl. I, I am a huge fan of Winona Ryder, except in Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> She's not good. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, let's go to our next. Uh, oh, video. I did want to oh, say some, yes, something funny about this one. I think that it um they're they're kind of like going back and forth and kind of um Tom Waits is really trying to offend Iggy Pop, and mm-hmm. at one point he's like, oh, so you must not come here often because they don't have one of your songs on the yeah, jukebox. Yeah, and then later he's and like, his songs like, aren't on it either. <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. Um, okay, now we can move to the next one. Actually, I almost forgot to mention this is uh, another pattern uh, emerges here. Tom Waits is to- playing Tom Waits. But he's also a doctor that Iggy Pop did not know. Yeah. So two musicians that meet up, one is claiming to also be a doctor. That will repeat itself in another vignette later with the RZA, where he will claim to be a doctor. Um, and again, it's, yes. Um, the next vignette is called uh, Those Things Will Kill You. Um, these are two old guys who I don't know uh, the actors at all, actually, to, at least not by um, appearance. Um, it says Joe, who's Joseph Regano, and then Vinny, um, Vinny Vela, um, and then Vinny Vela Jr. So that was actually his son uh, in the in the short. That's interesting. Um, it's two old guys sitting in what looks like an Italian restaurant. Again, we have our che- checker tablecloth and our overhead shot. Um, the line, not a very healthy lunch, coffee and cigarettes, is used again. And um, I think... Now I'm not sure. I think I jumped ahead. No. Nope. You're right. Because okay. he says, well, this isn't my lunch. I yeah. already had lunch or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and, uh, and then there's the kids eating the wasabi peas, I think. Um, 
and he spits them out, and so there's a little bit of racism there. But uh, the one guy says, like, why don't you stop drinking coffee? Because there's a discussion about the health of it. He's like, I like coffee. It keeps me going. And then he says, I ain't no effing quitter. And I I, I died. I was like, ah! like, I won't quit what's killing me because I ain't no quitter. It's just uh, <laughs> that logic, though, is so great. Um, yeah, there's not much to say about that one, though. I think it's pr- it's pretty short and to the point. It's two grumpy old men. It's funny. Yeah, I I don't know. Like watching this, I don't know if these were all necessary, and I don't know if it was necessary to have eleven, unless he was really trying to drive home that it's like popping up in all the other. You know what I mean? That like con- continuity. Yeah, I like to use a lot of words. I don't really. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just well, do that. So the next the next vignette's Renee. Um, and again, we have a lot of our same patterns. Um, this one we have a, I thought, an interesting character in Renee, uh, who's played by Renee French, and the waiter is played by EJ Rodriguez. He shows up and refills her coffee. This is one of the first ones. I think it's the only one where it, the character is alone at a table drinking coffee, and is being bothered by a waiter who's trying to refill her coffee constantly. Like he does not want her coffee to not be full, um, and she is content with it as it is. Um, she's also browsing a gun catalog. Uh, which definitely seemed to be in, important as we get multiple overhead shots of the magazine as she's flipping through it. Um, we do get the line, not a very healthy lunch. Um, yeah, uh, I I found the performances really strong in this one. I thought it was really funny, and I felt really bad for him because he was trying so hard just to do a good job. Yep, and she was not like, having it. She'd have her nope. hand over the coffee mug. <laughs> yeah, that killed me. She's like, I had it the perfect temperature, the right color, everything. And he's like, oh, and then he walks away. Yeah, but he comes back at least like two or three more times and tries mm-hmm. to, and she like slowly puts her hand over the cup. It's yeah. Pretty funny. And then uh, that leads to No Problem, um, which is uh, we have Alex uh, Deskis and Isaac de Bancole um, playing themselves, Alex and Isaac, uh, which I think is a fairly similar pattern throughout this. Um, but we have. Uh, the overhead checkerboard, we have a dice roll, which is interesting, but no no real meaning behind it, I don't think. Um, I had a hard time understanding what the guys were saying. They have a, a Me too. distinctive, I think, Creole or French accent, um, and that made it harder to pick up what they were saying. Um, the, a lot of talk about uh, wanting to see each other and, like, well, you called me, so I assumed you, you, something might be wrong. He's like, well, I'm sorry to make you worry. There's nothing wrong. I just wanted to see you. Well, I want to see you too. And it was just like, okay, Um I, I didn't dislike the scene. I didn't really I feel like it take anything was, from it. Yeah, I feel like it was the most forgettable one. Yes, uh, and it could be just because I had a hard time understanding the initial part <laughs> of the conversation. Um, but I, you know, Their accents just seemed off to me. I don't know. Yeah. Because it, it does say on the TV, like, in French or in French accent or something like that. And I was like, I don't know. It just didn't seem right. Well, that leads us to Cousins, which is... I, I think probably one of the, the best produced ones on this for sure. You have Kate Planchette playing two characters. Um, she's playing Kate and Shelly. Um, they are cousins. Kate is real. Shelly is apparently a fictional cousin. I had to confirm this because I'm like, that's both Planchette, right? And then it's like, okay. Yes. Yeah. I, they did such a good job, though. Uh-huh. They did such a good job because even there's one point where they're like standing really close to each other. Mm-hmm. But they did a good job with the shot with making Shelly look shorter than Kate Planchette. Yeah, 
and, and we should mention, I don't know if I have, every every scene has depicted characters smoking, at least one character smoking, and most of them, it does seem to be one character smoking more, um, and sometimes getting the other character smoke, but other times the just the one person smoking and they're giving a lecture about it, like the old men, the one man doesn't smoke, only the other guy does, and he's kind of giving him crap about it, um, and that, ha- uh, in Blanchett's scene, though, I don't think they smoke until the end, where Shelley tries that's, to smoke. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Um, and they also didn't order regular coffee. They ordered espresso. Um, espresso. Which I think shows, because it's, it's supposed to be Shelley is visiting Kate, who is Class. Kate Blanchett, so she's money, and she's a, a very high-caliber actress, so you know they're not going to order like coffee at a cheap diner. They're at a very fancy uh, hotel lobby, I believe, is where they're supposed to be. Um, and uh, I noted something important here, um, which this one I think I, again I think it's the best produced. Um, blonde Kate Blanchett orders uh, her espresso, but asks for hot milk. Black-haired Shelley, who's also played by Kate Blanchett, orders um, espresso, but no milk, just sugar. And there is a scene with the overhead shot that we get in all of the scenes where you distinctively see uh, Kate Blanchett's coffee looking very blonde. Because of the hot milk she's put in it, and the black coffee for Shelly, which has the black hair, and that is kind of the the tone this ep- this takes. You know, you have the, kind of the darker, the dark horse, the black sheep of the family in Shelly. She seems so jealous too. And very jealous and very, you know. Well, I sent this demo. Well, actually, I never sent the demo. Mm. You know? Yeah, what a brat. Um, and I, yeah, go ahead. Thought- what she said though was very true because like Kate gives her a bag of something expensive and then she takes it and she's like well did you even buy this did you even pay for this and she says no I didn't have time to shop and she's like she says something about she thinks it's so funny that the people that can actually afford those things Mm -hmm. don't ever have to buy them because they are just given to them for free and the people who actually need stuff have to don't have to buy them yeah it's a weird contradiction and I've heard that that I that thought expressed uh, in multiple of ways, um, through different stand-up comedians, movies, and and now this, um, just being another one of that. And at the end, Shelley asks for uh, tequila and starts to light a cigarette, and she's told no smoking in that area, and looks very kind of uh, whatever. Um, but I definitely, Kate Blanchett's amazing, and um, the scene was great. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure one of your favorite scenes, um, and one I enjoyed, uh, even though two non-actors, Jack White and Me- uh, Meg White, and the the vignette's called Jack Shows Meg His Tesla Coil. Um, Which sounds so bad. It didn't to me. <laughs> I immediately thought, to me um, it did. <laughs> I thought David Bowie, because of The Prestige, as <gasps> he, he plays, plays Nicholas Tesla. Tesla, and the Tesla Coil is a major element of The Prestige, so... Um, I was wondering, although that this was before the proceedings, so it had nothing to do with that. But in my head, um, I was like, "Ooh, David Bowie connection," but it was not. Um, again, overhead shot used uh, cigarette machine. I there was a cigarette machine which I have not seen in a long time, and I, I think that might, if it wasn't Jack White and Meg White, I would say it dates it to like early '90s. But there's no way it was filmed in the early '90s because it's Jack White and Meg White, and they, they were nobody in the early '90s. Um, so. I'm I'm guessing that was just a weird prop they got and put in, um, maybe to remind people of how much things have changed, where people used to go to diners and drink coffee and cigarettes, and now, when this movie came out as a whole, it's illegal almost everywhere to smoke in a restaurant. Uh, uh, people can still smoke in bars in Idaho, and it is very disgusting. Bars, I think, um, I think that's still a rule in Florida, that you can smoke uh, no, in a bar. No, be right. 
What is it? Yeah, but yeah, you, you're right. Unless it serves food, and it has to be a certain amount of food. Like, um, it, it is a if they they're allowed to serve something, but if it's like a full kitchen or something like that, they can't smoke in the in that facility. So, um, where they're drinking coffee though, almost always is a little diner. So that might have been a little reference to the cigarette machine being there. Like, things have changed where you can't do this anymore. You can't go to a restaurant order coffee and then smoke cigarettes like you, you can't um i took it as this was their personal place though oh but there's a waiter oh i thought that he because meg says that he brought the tesla coil down so it sounded like it was coming from i think that just somewhere went down to the, the restaurant oh i took it as being from somewhere in the building i don't know but i thought it was pretty funny because Meg and Jack are from Detroit, and their cigarettes said Detroit as the brand. Oh, I didn't see that. That's cool. Um, um, and I think that it's pretty funny. So we all know now that Jack and Meg White were married at one time, mm-hmm. but for a long time they tried to play off as brother and sister. And even in this, yes. they were playing as brother and sister. Yes. And I was like, what? Because he's like, remember when you were a kid and you had this yeah. and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you guys are not siblings, so you can stop right now. But um, that threw me I thought off. that was funny. Um, and yeah. the, the waiter was the same guy that was the evil twin in the earlier uh, <laughs> vignette, Sin, Sin Q Lee. Um, <laughs> and the Tesla coil sequence is uh, obviously a little costly because there's some visual effects there uh, with the, the lightning kind of going around. Or I, I call it lightning, the electrical sparks, whatever you want to call it, um, coming off the coil. And I thought they did a good job. I think Jack's a better actor. Um, but Meg had she did some good delivery. Um, and... This scene's important because one of the lines from this scene will come back again in the champagne vignette, which was um, about Tesla and uh, saying the Earth was a conductor for something. I don't remember. I didn't get the quote exactly, but perceive the Earth to be a conductor of acoustical resonance. So, um, I want to point out too that they maybe Iggy Pop wasn't on the, you know, the uh, jukebox in the restaurant he was in, but he was playing. In their place. Oh, okay. I I don't know Iggy Pop's music well enough to know that. But... It's the Stooges, actually. Ah, okay. See, even further showing my ignorance of that type of music. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed that vignette, and I actually enjoyed the next vignette. I think it might—it's probably my third favorite. Cousins with a question mark this time. Um, I don't know if I said that we were Kate Blanchett. So that one was called Cousin, no question mark. This one is Cousins with a question mark. So it's Cousins. Um. This is Alfred Molina and Steve Coogan. Now, I watched The Trip, which is Steve Coogan's um, movie. Um, and I mentioned it, I think, on the last podcast. And this scene kind of reminded me of that because it's shot very similarly to how most of The Trips uh, is shot. Um, Alfred Molina, I, I do like as an actor. I don't love, but I do like him. Uh, this is the one scene where they have tea instead of coffee. Um, they don't have a checkerboard pattern, but they do have a diamond pattern on the uh, the teapot, I believe, and the table. Um Still have the overhead shot, though. Uh, Alfred Molina's character is kind of heartbreaking in this because he's desperately trying to convince Steve Coogan that they're cousins um, and that they should hang out. That's okay. That other guy gets his. (laughs) He does. Uh, Steve Coogan, that's kind of the character he plays. He's uh, he's so funny. Um, And he tries to blow Molina off, but then Molina gets a call from Spike Jones, and that makes (laughs) Coogan want to be... Second, second guess is not oh. wanting to hang out with him. Well, there is a fan that I think that I was reading somewhere. I think that she's an actress or something too, and she plays herself. Oh. Um, 
in it, but I can't remember where I read that. Katie, but um, Katie Hands is her name, um, according to IMDb, and she, she is an actress, um, not from anything super famous, from what I'm seeing. But uh, she, yeah, she's playing Katie. Um, as again, I think all of the characters mainly play themselves, except you mm -hmm. know, Blanchett as uh, Shelley and whatever. But she comes up and asks for that signature or something, and Coogan is like, "Oh, well, this is Alfred Molina, and he's an actor too." And she's like, "Yeah, you know, does not care." She's like, "Oh, that's big nice." Big deal. I don't know you. And then he gets that call. <laughs> Um, yeah, with Spike Jones, and then uh, Coogan wants now he wants to give him his number, and Molina blows him off, and it's great, good retribution for Molina. I thought the scene was very funny. Um, Molina made me uncomfortable because of how like desperate he seemed. Like he really seemed like I need this, I need you to be my friend, Coogan. Um, even Coogan was like, "Are you are you, are you gay? Like I can't tell what you're after here." And that I did find that entertaining. Um, all right, uh, anything to add to that one? No. Um, all right. Next up is probably my favorite. Delirium has uh, the Jizza, the Rizza, and Bill Murray. Um, <laughs> yes. And uh, it does. It kind of pulls a lot of the the little threads from all the other ones into this one. Um, you have again the checkerboard table. Um, they're not drinking coffee, but Bill Murray shows up as the waiter, holding the pot of coffee, and drinks the coffee out of the pot. Um, <laughs> Uh, they recognize him as Bill Murray, and he's like, "Shh, I'm incognito," kind of thing. Um, the they, they they reference the popsicles <laughs> that you mentioned earlier, the uh, caffeine popsicles with the sticks. Um, they mention the hyper dreams that because of all the they drink coffee before they go to bed, so they dream at like a faster speed. Uh, the smoker's cough is really funny. Riza being in the doctor, it's it's a really funny scene. Um, he's, me up. he's an he's a doctor of alternative medicine. Yes, yes. Um, I don't really know what that means. I think it means he sells drugs, but I don't know that for a fact. Oh, but, fair enough. <laughs> um, I was most, thinking maybe he's like a wannabe chiropractor with natural medicine and things. I mean, like weed is what I was thinking when I said drugs. So, I mean, that's natural. I mean, um, I, I, the scene was very, very funny, though. I enjoyed it. Um, and I, I do think it kind of expressed a lot of the, the themes that Jarmusha was playing on throughout the film. Uh, people being like health conscious, you know condemning him for drinking caffeine warning of the dangers of it warning of the dangers of smoking i don't think you actually see him smoke in this though i think this just referenced i think that you're right which i didn't i didn't pick up on when i was watching it but now that i'm thinking back on it this might be the only one where nobody smokes but you are told that they Bill do Murray reference. smokes um and that he has a smoker's cough that might be because it's more modern that definitely seemed like one of the newer scenes and um that they were in a restaurant and you can't smoke in restaurants in, in 2003 anymore. So, um, that might be why it's just reference and not there. And, um, we end with champagne, which is, uh, two old guys. Well, two older guys sitting in a, uh, very dark room, um, that we're told is like, I think I can't remember what they said. Like it's a break room or armory. It's an armory. They say it's an armory. I think it's something like that. It's something weird. Um, and they're, Barracks, they're, it's something. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that sounds military, although there's nothing to indicate that other than a chain link fence. Um, and, uh, we have the Tesla reference here. Um, they, the guy says, let's pretend the coffee is champagne, which is Taylor Mead. And then William Rice, um, is the other guy with him. Um, they, they also say the line coffee and cigarettes are not very healthy for lunch. 
Um, and that kind of ends the the movie. Um, and then we get uh, what song did it end with? Because it was a very famous song that now I, I wish I'd made a note of what song it was when the credits rolled. Dang it! Yeah, I can't think of what it was, but um, that's the the movie. Uh, so you have, I would say. There's definitely maybe uh, some criticism on people like telling other people how to live. You know, like that's not healthy is used multiple times, um, and it's kind of shrugged off by most of them. Um, I do Louis, think Louie 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 Louie. That's it. Um, and um, you know, there is some patterns that you can see where like the people who are smoking are often um, judgmental. It's definitely weird. I don't know if there's a, a clear message being said. I wish I had a better answer. I, I don't feel like I do yet. I think um, we're seeing maybe in, in a way a document of the time where this was a this is what people did. You you had conversations with coffee and cigarettes. You sat and drank coffee and, and smoked. Um, that's something I'd heard a lot. I remember my grandma all the time after dinner, coffee and cigarette. That was her dessert, if you will. Um, so. Um, I, I'm going to do some more digging. I want to kind of get other people's read and take on, on what he was going for. Um, it's 17 years worth of content. So um, it's intriguing to say the least. And it, it definitely makes me want to see what else this guy's done. If nothing else. Um, Corey? Same. Oh. Um, I like that. I don't, I like that he doesn't tell traditional stories. I, you know what I mean? Like even, I don't know. I do want to do some more reading on this too, because I feel like I'm also missing out on some things. Um, but I really like also that he, I, you can see where his pull and influence, um, cause I'm pretty sure he used to make like music videos and stuff when he was first starting out oh, and oh. seeing like, uh, yeah, a lot of them do, but I liked seeing the people he could pull into this, even though it was over, obviously period of time we already talked about but i thought like the different people he got in it was pretty cool um yeah well um i'm gonna say decent watch for this movie Ah! that's what i'm saying too i was torn between not quite golden pony boy but i don't feel like this movie would appeal to most people yep and i don't think that everything about this film is good i feel like I don't know if it was necessary for us to have all 11 of those. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, although I do think collectively they have, I think there might be something more that I'm not getting. We're at. missing. But then again, mm-hmm. maybe not. Uh, this might just be exactly what it is. It's just these well, fun little vignettes. And I feel like when you watch, I haven't, I guess, watched a lot of vignettes, but when you watch um, like anthologies and stuff, there aren't usually that many small pieces to it. Yeah. So 11's a lot for sure. Yes, but I think wasn't the runtime only like an hour and I think 39 or 38 minutes. Yeah, it was. So it wasn't like ridiculously long. It didn't feel very long. I just don't know how much of it was necessary. Well, um, that's our review for Coffee and Cigarettes. Both Corey and I say it's a decent watch, which is like three out of five stars. Um, next week, though, we're going to get back into a more traditional thing and kind of start to set what we've decided to do with this uh, podcast moving forward, which is we want to do more themes. Um, we really enjoyed our month of uh, horror films in October. So starting officially with December, but more officially next year, every month uh, we'll have a theme of some kind. Um, this month, given that it's Christmas, we're going to go with holiday movies. And uh, following our rules that one of us has to have not seen this film that we're, we pick or 
we've only seen it once and it's been a long time kind of thing. That's the goal with Movie Club is we're trying to expand our viewing, not rewatch the same movies that we've already rewatched dozens of times. Which is So why what you're saying is next week we're watching Empire Records. No. I'm kidding. Because, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, that is a movie. But I was going to say what I'm saying is we'll never have an Edgar Wright movie on this podcast because I will have seen it way too many times before we could ever do that. Unless Corey's uh, not seen one, but I don't think that's the case. I think you've seen all of his movies as well. Um, I think so. Now, this particular uh, holiday film is not technically a Christmas holiday film. It's often associated with Thanksgiving, which is why it makes perfect sense to do <sighs> first. And that will be Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, uh, directed by John Hughes, starred uh, Steve Martin and John Candy. I have never seen it. Um, I saw the end of it last year for the first time. Um, it was on regular TV, and I was like, why not? I don't care. Um, so I kind of know how it ends, but I don't know the whole journey, which is what this movie's all about. Um, so... I, I just purchased it uh, on a Black Friday sale yesterday um, at Walmart. And uh, so um, I, I'm ready to watch it. I will be watching it next week, um, getting in the spirit of the holiday season. I miss John Candy. And you've seen this movie, right? Yeah, I watched it, I think, last year, maybe the year before. I want to say that it was on Netflix. I don't know if it still is. Well, I will say um, that... This month, uh, it's going to be alternating. I think both of the movies that I've picked, Corey has seen, but I have not. And then Corey has not seen three majorly iconic Christmas films. <laughs> that we I have were... read the book for Polar Express. Oh, so I, I would wasn't like going to spoil say. it yet. But, oh, sorry. Um, oh, dang it. Sorry. But, yeah, we will be watching Polar Express this month. Corey's never seen it, guys. I've seen it. But I do own times. it. I bought it last year. <laughs> That's even worse. But, I um, know. Oh, who are you? Okay, that's true. But I, I've seen all of my holiday movies except for Christmas Shoes because I, you know I refuse that to I, watch that. I love Christmas, but I'm kind of a Grinch when it comes to movies. I like The Grinch. Um, the Grinch is my favorite. No, um, but so that's what we're going to be doing this month. Um, and again, two uh, two more that we're not going to say right now. But Corey's not seen two. You guys wouldn't. You won't believe it when we announce it. You will not believe films. it. I might be disowned. But hey, it's okay. Um, it's it's. I'm. It just means you know, that you get to see it. some really great movies this month. Um, and next month we will talk about our theme for January. But um, that's going to be kind of what we do is we want to have the movies have some kind of connective tissue, but still following our rule that one of us has to have not seen it or. If we have seen it, it has to be a long time ago, and we're kind of like watching it with new eyes. Because as you get older, you appreciate things that maybe you didn't appreciate back then, or you for just blatantly forgot things like in ET. I definitely forgot that he called his brother penis breath until I showed my daughter. So, um, if you want to reach out to us and tell us your thoughts on the podcast or on the movie that we're watching for next week or the one we just watched. Um, and tell us how great we are or, you know, whatever. Um, you can email us, contact at BurkeReviews.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram. I'm at BurkeReviews. Corey? At Corey, our star, two R's on the end. You can read our reviews on BurkeReviews.com. Subscribe to our podcast. And if you would, please go to whatever service you use, whether it's iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher. Um, and rate and review us. Uh, if you like the podcast, please give us the highest rating possible to help us get out there. We want to get more listeners. We want other people to hear us, and it's easier to do that with those ratings. So we appreciate you taking your time to do that. Um, Corey, thank you so much, and uh, happy holidays, everybody. Bye, guys. Peace. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>